0: tony hello how are you good you mentioned you wanted to do a parody I, well i thought maybe we could start with the parody but normally when we start with parodies you're like all the way up in there before i can even say hello to the world so i thought come as you are
1: if you can let your will really be free if you sit or you stand you can still have release. take your hand <laughs> or a friend. the choice is yours that is great. Take a rest, grab a breast, or use an old memory.
0: Is that what you had in mind, yeah, like or you know you get to the chorus and it's like. And I swear that we're gonna have some fun.
1: Yeah, we're gonna have some fun.
0: (laughs) And you possibly will come.
1: If you come while listening to us, I don't know if I want to know that.
0: That was supposed to be a reference to the movie, not what our listeners are doing.
1: What did you think you were saying?
0: Well, because the song is called Come As You Are, and then the movie is about Three disabled dudes. You know who-
1: what? I changed my mind. If you listen to this podcast and it makes you come, definitely tell me about it.
0: <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. And the DMs are like on, on the wall, on the Facebook wall.
1: Uh, You can know, send me a message. Send me a DM. Find my personal Instagram. Send me a message there. I'll uh, send a pigeon. Hopefully the pigeon. pigeon doesn't come on the way.
0: What are you, Harry Potter? That's an owl. So before we started recording today, I had a small nap because I have trouble sleeping, like on Sundays. And yesterday was a Canadian Sunday because it was Thanksgiving. Uh, Weak excuse, but okay. I know it's a very weak excuse, but I just wanted to say that we didn't record yesterday, so you could sleep all day. I no, that wasn't. I didn't spend Thanksgiving sleeping all day. I'm not depressed.
1: you You said to me, like, "I can we not record because I want to do nothing,
0: yeah, because I want to vegetate because the whole point of Thanksgiving is to eat lots of food and then do nothing
1: okay. how was your Thanksgiving by the way?
0: My Thanksgiving was good my 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 grandma came over and my uncle on my mom's side, and we had a big dinner, like big relative to a mendic family dinner, where the portions was enough for us to have at least a day and a half of uh, leftovers.
1: Yep. That's what Thanksgiving is really about, leftovers.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be about leftovers, but you're supposed to have leftovers for like a week afterwards, right? And my family only have it for a day because my parents are starving Eastern European people.
1: Is it because... They don't make a lot of food, or because they actually just eat a bunch.
0: No, they don't make a lot of food. They never eat a bunch. They only eat in portion, except when it comes to dessert. Haven't we discussed? That's a good this? thing. I guess it's. Like, I get like they, they eat responsibly in that, but it, there's a lot of shame, like in accordance with that.
1: There's shame because they don't eat too much.
0: No, they're so conscientious of portion control that it borders on like body dysmorphia. Like <laughs> I
1: had three extra kernels of rice.
0: Yeah. My mom always tells a story about how my grandma was able to take a single can of tuna and split it between six children and still make the sandwiches look bountiful. And I think that's totally a lie.
1: My dad used to eat a can of sardines for lunch.
0: What are sardines?
1: It's like marinated. It's like f- sardines are a kind of fish. Similar yeah. to They're like big fat anchovies.
0: Okay. and they Are they good for you or they're like indulgent?
1: I think they're fish. I think they're just as good for you as, like, you know, salty fish. I think it's not the best kind of fish you can eat. Yeah. But then it's indulgent in the sense that it comes in a can and sometimes has, like, disgusting-smelling, like, mustard sauce and stuff. And you just open it up and it's sitting there, like, three-inch fish, just laying there in yellow smelly fishy mustard it
0: sounds like you really like you have an issue with your father consuming sardines
1: i did and i hope he listens to this (laughs) and stuff i haven't witnessed him eat sardines in a long time Uh i don't know if it's because he outgrew it or like i'm thinking now maybe if i got him sardines as a gift maybe he would be like oh yeah
0: or he'd be like no no no, that was just a phase in my (laughs) early 50s anthony come on i've grown up now
1: he also had Ovaltine. And yeah. That, like, there was a lot of.
0: What the fuck is Ovaltine again?
1: Ovaltine is like. I don't really know. It's like a powder that you mix into, I think, milk.
0: Oh, that's and not it a good start. makes it
1: like. A, it's, I, I think it's like, like, a, a, like a, kind of a laxative or something. No, I don't think it has any medical benefit. I think it's just like indulgent.
0: Like a know, weird. I don't know. A weird, like, war baby treat or something? Maybe. Like, it was in the rations of the WW2 soldiers, and so his generation reveres Ovaltine?
1: It's like spam and Ovaltine. Oh,
0: gross. So I think I was a little bit too harsh on my parents in my earlier anecdote about portion control. But the thing is, they are the type of family where if you go for thirds, like, granted that anyone even made enough food for thirds... Like the whole table will just sit there in in silence and kind of judge you, as though they're waiting for you to realize that you're overeating and just stop and resign.
1: They're looking at you like, "You sure about that?"
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's literally the vibe. Like, like, like plate number three is just like utter indulgence. You're at that point, you're embarrassing the family.
1: My parents did that too, but my parents weren't even subtle about it. If you asked for sometimes even seconds, they'd be like wait 15 minutes if you're still hungry i'll get you more
0: oh they do that thing they tell yeah. you your stomach is lying to you
1: they're like you need to wait because either i think i think part of it was that like don't they're like oh yeah don't worry you won't want it or but the other part of it is like you'll be bored you won't really want to keep eating 15 minutes <laughs> you'll leave the table and put on some tv
0: yeah, yeah. The only only reason I'm like harping on this subject is because it's it kind of hits close to home for me. Can you tell? It's a little bit of an open wound.
1: Yeah. Why is that? Is it because you feel like you've been deprived of thirds?
0: Well, when I was, uh, yeah, I like I like my third portions of stuffing and turkey and a little bit of pierogies, maybe you know. But when I when I, like when I was growing up, um,
1: I'm not gonna have a lot of sympathy for this story. I'm yeah. just telling you out of the gate.
0: What because you, because of your uh, because of the complexity of you consuming food? No,
1: it's just like okay, great, you didn't get an, you didn't get your third helping of food.
0: <laughs> I'm so no, sorry. no, it's not that. It's that like it's a, like my they they starve themselves and then they like overeat like sweets and foods and the, the fact that they overeat. So you
1: think the balance is off.
0: It's totally off. And the fact that they overeat on sweets is like a familial joke. It's like, oh, can't believe I'm doing this, Mr. Dell. It's like the only way my dad like lives on the edge.
1: Or they save room for dessert.
0: They they totally do. Like they eat they eat like New York style cheesecake way, way too often. It's like it's pretty bad.
1: I don't know what it is. It might be because I'm tired because I didn't sleep enough over the weekend. Uh But this for the first time ever this conversation about dessert is kind of making me want dessert
0: what what do, what kind of dessert do you want i don't want to ruin this moment
1: i think no neither <laughs> i was like envisioning like a lemon meringue pie or something lemon meringue isn't that too tangy no i like the tang because <laughs> even when i want dessert i don't want it to just be super
0: indulgent and sweet yeah, no, you, you want it to be tasteful?
1: Yeah, I want it to feel like, I don't know, something about lemon ring pie is delicious. Creme brulee is about as sweet as I like.
0: I don't, yeah, creme brulee can be way too much. It's, it's, it's weird too, like, is creme brulee like a dessert omelet? Is that basically what it is? Because there's eggs in it? It's all eggs? Like, it's very eggy.
1: It's not eggy, I don't think, if you get a good one. I've never, I've only had creme brulee a couple times because it is super sweet. Yeah. But I've never felt that it was eggy.
0: Eggy. Okay. Well, maybe I just had the wrong, because I had, I had creme brulee recently at the keg with some friends. We did like a kind of Are you sure it wasn't quiche? No. It, <laughs> yeah, it was cinnamon toast quiche. It was just broiled quiche. <laughs> quiche. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I had pram recently at the keg, which the keg is funny because in Thunder Bay... Okay, so wait a minute here, <laughs> okay? Because yeah.
1: I just want to point out a few episodes ago where you're like, I don't really eat dessert. I just, sometimes it gets forced upon me and I yeah. can't resist. Yeah, there's, but a, that there's a familial
0: obligation.
1: If you're going to a restaurant... You have to explicitly order dessert,
0: I know I was with friends and I felt I wanted dessert like I was having an espresso, and
1: I needed what was the- that <laughs> I don't know. what did you just do <laughs> was that your like attempt at being Italian?
0: yeah, it's what I do when I'm not like when I try to be Italian without the soprano voice, right,
1: which is just New Jersey.
0: Yeah, it's just Jersey.
1: Okay, so you had a... That's just what I said.
0: (laughs) I had an espresso. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, I need some sweets with this. And I was with friends. And it was like the first time I've been to a restaurant in a while, I would say probably at least three months. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to be indulgent. I'm going to get dessert. And so we got dessert. This is, by the way, an amazing story. And everyone's going to feel so happy that they heard the whole thing.
1: No argument here. <laughs> so far, the buildup has been <laughs>
0: incredible. So I had an espresso, and then <laughs> she brought me a piece of New York style cheesecake with uh a strawberry on top. And I was like, Oh, that's this is gonna be amazing. And then they made a mistake and they accidentally brought me a creme brulee. And I was like, Normally, I don't like creme brulee because because it has egg and egg. Wait, wait, wait!
1: You said they brought you a cheesecake, and then they brought you a creme brulee. Well. Yeah,
0: because because she made a mistake, and they, like two different servers visited our table because probably some weird COVID protocol. Wonder. No, no, no! They gave me the they gave me the the creme brulee for free. So
1: you ate a full dinner, and then you had an espresso, <laughs> yeah. and then you had. A cheesecake.
0: I did, yeah. And then they brought you a creme brulee, and you're like, I'm still hungry. <laughs> Tony, I can eat a lot. And this is the point I was trying to make earlier, is that my, my parents- the whole time, like, fuck you, mom. Yeah. I'm doing this Because you don't give me enough. <laughs> I was like this, in my head, I was like thinking about starting a food Instagram account just to outrage my parents. <laughs> <laughs> that Mr. Joe is getting fat again, Mo.
1: If you had a food Instagram account, it would just be pictures of
0: what your mom just gave you. Yeah, which would be like...
1: How would that upset them? Oh, Jamie, would you like this? And you take a picture. Take that, mom.
0: (laughs) I guess so, yeah, because it would be a majority of what they give. Sorry, so what was I... I lost my train of thought, Tony. You said it would be a great story, so I'm counting on you (laughs) to deliver. First of all, okay, there was quite a bit of a delay in between our uh, entrees because we were at one place for the main entree and then we went to a separate place for the dessert okay because for our entree we went to a place with bar food and bar food places never have good desserts it's always so you went to the keg for dessert yeah the keg the keg okay. which in ottawa the keg is like shitty chain food restaurant like no one ever goes there and like fuck i don't keg.
1: agree with that at all I went to the keg a few weeks ago, and it was actually really good.
0: Well, yeah, but you have that small town mentality where, like, you're open minded. Do
1: I know? I've lived in Ottawa for half my life. Now.
0: Uh, you you had that's true at this point, but you never that that big city mentality has never hit you. You've always you're really trying to sell me on Thunder Bay. <laughs> I'm just saying that in Thunder Bay, the- you got to drive 14 hours for this creme brulee. <laughs> <laughs> the keg is like. It's the, the keg is the shit in Thunder Bay. People love the keg. When you say you're yeah, going there's the keg...
1: no other options.
0: <laughs> no, we have we have per capita the most number of restaurants like in on, for a place in Ontario or something. Is
1: that true? I, yes, it That's is. That's a yeah. hilarious stat. Is that on the sign when you drive in?
0: No, I forget what on, what's on the sign. More
1: restaurants per capita than everyone.
0: Actually, our population is declining so much that. It just know, says
1: way... Thunder Bay. Are you lost?
0: Yeah, no it says thunder bay see you later
1: <laughs> yeah thunder bay next city is this way
0: <laughs> anyway so
1: i give thunder bay a really hard time i should probably say i've never been
0: all my ottawa friends give fucking thunder bay a hard time and i'm like it's my hometown i love it why are you shitting on something i love and they're like fuck you thunder bay sucks we talk about every day how you want to move out I well, I want to move out of my parents' place and be an adult and start a life. It's not Thunder Bay's fault,
1: but you would move out and live in Thunder Bay?
0: Well, probably not because the dating pool here is disastrous.
1: Yeah, they got good restaurants, though.
0: They do have good restaurants, so there's all kinds of like neat, like dating locations you can go to, but I can't. I can't really go there unless my friends drive me. Hey
1: baby, you ever had the crumble away at the keg?
0: <laughs> see see our friend our producer Michael's gonna love all this fucking small town bashing that's coming from you, Tony.
1: I grew up in a small town and we didn't even have a keg, so
0: we had Wait, hold on, can I predict it? Can I predict it? Sure, yeah. Did you have a destination A and W? No, we didn't have any
1: fast food except what? for Tim Hortons.
0: So what was the what was the most pop place like the local church or something? The, w- yes, the Legion was a good place to go. Yeah,
1: but the actual restaurant that we grew up spoiling ourselves going to was yeah. called Cozy Corner.
0: Cozy Corner.
1: Yeah, spelled with K's.
0: Where Where'd you go if you wanted to get a handy in middle school?
1: Uh, the gym. <laughs> what I
0: don't know. I don't know. I was hoping to provoke something out of you.
1: Our high school actually had a really nice theater because it was like big into like music and drama and the arts.
0: What? Your theater wasn't just the gym? It was an actual theater?
1: No, the- we had an actual theater with like a green room and dressing rooms.
0: Oh, the more like the undressing room. Tony, this anecdote needed a trigger warning. For whom? For, for, for people at home.
1: Because I talked about handies. Yeah, yeah. That's fine.
0: I'm just kidding, by the way. That was supposed to be a joke. I wasn't.
1: I feel like our podcast in itself should have a trigger warning.
0: You think so? Yeah. At the start? Yeah. Well, we do We do flag it as like adult content, like explicit. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't mean like an actual like trigger warning. You may be triggered warning. <laughs> but like, I mean, we came out of the gate saying come as you are.
0: That's true. I I wasn't thinking of that as cum, but then it just happened.
1: That's what the movie was about.
0: Yeah, I know. So it only makes sense. Should we get into the movie already? No. No. What else is going on in your life? Well, I
1: still want to I well, I was curious about your story. You you said oh. it was going to be a banging story, and so far you've just had two desserts.
0: It was only it's only banging to me because it was of note to me that I overate. That's all. So that is sort of the end of the story. I I didn't finish the creme brulee because my third dessert was too much.
1: Third dessert, or are you counting the espresso?
0: Yeah, I I consider the espresso part of the part of the dessert. You counting
1: the espresso? As I did.
0: I I counted it. Yeah, because it was there was some sweetness to it. That's
1: true. If I'm ever gonna have caffeine or coffee, at least uh-huh. it's gonna be espresso. It's never coffee.
0: I just honestly like I want you to have a little bit of coffee before a podcast and see what happens you, maybe one day i'll smoke some weed uh i know because then you'll be detached or indifferent you think so? yeah you definitely won't hop onto any of the um segues that i throw at you
1: i don't know if that's true sometimes i feel like when i'm high i just barrel down rabbit holes way too far
0: okay okay that could be a lot of fun Maybe. Actually it's when you're tired that you're not very receptive to my nonsense.
1: I'm very tired right now. <laughs> or maybe I'm just <laughs> saying that as a cover. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm very I feel receptive to your nonsense. Give me some more nonsense.
0: Huh, what else is going on? Let me think, let me think. Man, there's more like tension, return to work, nonsense going on. Yeah, and I'm just sort of trying to figure out what that means for me. But it's not anything I feel comfortable elaborating on <clears throat> on the podcast. My friends like went away, but like some of my closest friends went away on big trips for the last couple of weeks. So I have I've lost my able-bodied connection. So I've mm-hmm. been spending a lot more time by myself, like in my garage, like reading and watching The Wire and playing video games. So I don't really have any. Actual, like, living and life stories.
1: What have you been reading?
0: Um, the Corner is a companion piece to The Wire.
1: The Coroner or The Coroner?
0: It's called The Corner. C O R C O R N E R. Okay. Yeah, it's the source material for The Wire.
1: Uh, okay. You just went, like, straight deep into it?
0: I did, yeah. It's just that um, David Simon is, like, a rich... His expository writing is very rich. He's like incredibly passionate. And so...
1: Does it ever feel superfluous?
0: No, no. That's cool. He has like a very strong understanding for the systemic issues that he seeks to tackle in his writing. And he will often within the prose, like within the description of a street corner, also be talking about like the oppression of a particular demographic of people, you know, like whether it's like drug uh, touters or like... Prostitutes or wherever his lens is focused, it's amazing. But the wire itself, the TV show, doesn't have any narration or any kind of um overly expository dialogue. So it's like kind of an angle to his storytelling that you don't get by strictly watching the show.
1: Interesting.
0: And I, I'm not smart. Like I don't. I didn't really pay That's attention.
1: Outrageous to hear.
0: Really. Why? It's just true. I don't
1: it's not true.
0: My areas of uh my areas of aptitude are really weird and scattered and not very consistent.
1: That doesn't mean anything though, just because like because you're not like mainstream or whatever, it doesn't make you not smart. Like you can be really smart in understanding birds and that still makes you smart. Even though it's bizarre,
0: actually, yeah, there are types of intelligence that, like, we don't really like as a society kind of acknowledge enough, or on par with other things that we consider valuable, simply because of their like capitalistic application or something like that.
1: I don't even know if that's like almost any. If you get smart about something, you can capitalize on it,
0: especially nowadays, right? Yeah, with like new media, YouTube, and
1: we're very intelligent about how disabled we are we are and we've made a podcast out of that not that we've capitalized in any financial way but we could if we really wanted
0: does it does it ever happen to you when you're um, when you like you lose touch with your able-bodied friends for a stretch of time and you kind of like feel isolated for the interim that they're gone
1: not exclusively able-bodied friends but yeah i mean if i lose touch with friends in general then for sure but if i lose touch with able-bodied friends and i'm just seeing disabled friends i still feel like i have friends
0: you still feel connected i don't have any disabled friends in thunder bay
1: yeah so it's just friends
0: just just those friends yeah
1: yeah so i get that that would make you feel isolated
0: i wonder if i had friends well, I mean that's not a fair thing to wonder. I did have my my social circles were intersectional when I was in Ottawa. It wasn't like it wasn't like my able-bodied friends and my disabled friends like they were all pretty overlapping. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was just you and like one other person.
1: Yeah, I was going to say like I it didn't it, I don't remember there being a big group of disabled people. Yeah. Should we talk about this movie cuz I feel like there's a lot to talk about.
0: Okay. We can do that.
1: Is there something else you wanted to talk about? You seemed a bit hesitant.
0: I don't have anything specific. Anything going on in your life?
1: Not really. No, I mean, I had Thanksgiving too. For me, I also have a bunch of leftovers, but that's just because I eat so little. So like one plate of food lasts me a few days.
0: So when you had your friends over for Thanksgiving, like one of your friends obviously fed you, right? Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't like an attendant in your building? No. And is your friend good at feeding you? Like, better than the attendants?
1: Yeah. Well, no, I I mean, like, sometimes it depends on the person and, like, how much experience they have doing it. Feeding me, as we have talked about, is, like, a bit of a trick. Just because my mouth doesn't open very wide, so you have to... There's, like, a few parts of it. One is you have to have a technique, which usually involves... The way the best people do it seems to be where they have, like, one spoon... if I'm, it depends what I'm eating, right? If I'm eating like a fry, you can just fit it into my mouth because it's not that big. Uh-huh. But if you're giving me like a mouthful of food on a spoon, then people seem to find it easiest to like. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but like they'll put the the food on a spoon or a fork, uh-huh. and then put that like right up to my mouth, and then use another spoon or fork to like shovel it in. Yeah, because. The width of, like the height of the the fork plus the food, is always too much. But if they get another utensil, they can just kind of cram it through, right? Because my mouth is it doesn't open wide, but it's not like I can still handle like a fairly normal size bite. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they can shovel it in.
0: So, there's no risk of putting too much food in your mouth. It's just the logistics of getting the food in there. Well,
1: I mean, sure, there's techni- like if it was a crazy big bite, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I mean, no, no, not necessarily any greater risk than, and, you know, somebody without jaw issues trying to eat. It's
1: probably still less than the average bite because I have to be able to like chew it a lot to be able to swallow it safely. So, having a big amount in there, Would just take forever, and then I don't like feeling disengaged. Like when I'm with people, I don't eat a lot often because I like to be able to like talk and participate in conversation.
0: Uh So
1: when I'm eating and I'm just sitting there chewing, if it's a big mouthful, I'm kind of rushing it, and then there's a higher risk of choking because I'm just like trying to get it down so I can get back into the conversation.
0: Yeah. Are you also self-conscious when you eat in front of people?
1: Depends who it is. I don't really like eating on like a first date. Right. I I stick to drinks on a first date.
0: So if you're ever eating in front of a woman, it means you're serious?
1: Or it just means like I'm very comfortable with them.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's like, I mean, it's a big thing for you to eat in front of a woman.
1: Yeah, definitely a comfort and trust thing. But it's also the same thing. Like if I'm on a first date, I don't want to be sitting there chewing the whole time. Right. So it's not worth it.
0: But people know you're not being rude. They they know it's a large undertaking for you to eat.
1: Yeah, but it's so much time. Like like you could probably eat a quarter of your meal in the time I'd finish one bite.
0: Imagine you're on a second date with a woman and she's like, you know what, it's not working out. Our second date, you didn't say a thing. You just sat there and chewed all time just ate everything. And it's like, what the fuck? I was we was trying to talk to you. Yeah, no,
1: I stick to drinks because drinks are <laughs> like I st- even drinks give me a bit of anxiety because like I'm like, oh, you know, having to ask for a sip. Some people have been really weird about
0: that. Really? Some dates have been weird about you needing a sip? Yeah. What What do you mean weird? All you got to do is hold hold the cup. I know, but... I can help you with that.
1: Recently.
0: Not to brag.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a big deal. I can hold a cup. (laughs) I can hold my friend's cup even. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, recently I had a date. And so kind of two things happens when it's weird. Obviously, like, I'm just talking about the exceptions. In general, people are totally fine with that. They're like, just let me know when you want a drink and I'll give you a drink. It's not a big deal.
0: But this, right now, the story you're about to tell is a recurring problem.
1: There's sort of two ends of it. One is they just won't give me a drink because they don't want to, like, it's uncomfortable for them. So they'll just Gross. leave the cup there. Sometimes they'll be like, hey, do you mind if I have a sip? And they'll be like, oh, I I just." Uh, and then I'm just like, honestly, I'm not even that thirsty.
0: Are you serious? They yeah. actually like trip over their words? Just, like, what are they afraid of?
1: So I had someone actually tell me after the date over a text, like I was just uncomfortable because it felt like I was your
0: nurse. Can you fuck off? That is, <laughs> that, that is ridiculous.
1: I mean, yeah, it is.
0: I felt like I was your nurse because I had to hold a straw up to your lips.
1: You have no idea what nursing is. <laughs> like, if this is your concept of what a nurse does,
0: yeah, no shit. And that was a recent date—the the nurse debacle,
1: like six months ago.
0: Holy fuck! That that's a new one for me. That's insane. I want to riff on it, but I can't even. Like, I'm I'm baffled.
1: Like, you show up at the ER, and the doctor's like, "Can we get a nurse in here? He's thirsty." <laughs> can we get a nurse
0: <laughs> oh wow <laughs> <laughs>
1: um but no i mean like in general sometimes i lead with it now because people do ask me also they'll be like so like if we go over drinks are you gonna be able to have a drink mm-hmm. and which is a nice thoughtful question oh yeah and then i'll just be like yeah you'll just have to hold the cup or whatever but it's it's a strange one for me. I recently had someone uh, say, "Would you be able to give me the crash course on dating someone with a disability?" And I was like, "I appreciated the question."
0: What was the difference between a crash course and just literally going on dates with that person?
1: Right. That's like, that's what I mean. Like, I what the fuck does that even mean? I appreciate the question because <laughs> you know you're trying to be open minded and like.
0: It'd be so funny if you sent her like like a playlist of YouTube uh, training videos or something, yeah. how-tos. How to hold a cup. Yeah. <laughs> How to give a handy at the gym.
1: I will say. Or, sorry, at the theater. For anyone listening who needs a tip on holding a cup, I have found that one of the common things I've noticed is people forget that the straw... At the bottom has to be in the liquid. So, so many times people will hold, like say the cup is like a third full. Yeah. And the straw is out a bit and they'll tilt the cup backwards, but the straw is tilted forwards. Yeah. So then the bottom of the straw isn't even in the liquid.
0: That sounds like what they do, like what attendants do when they're helping you take a piss, but they're not comfortable pulling out your your dick properly. So they just like shove the urinal down there and pray for the best. They do the same thing with straws. Are people just grossed out by straws? What is wrong with people?
1: No, I think. Mean, well, because when you think about it, like the cup and the straw are almost at the same angle when you tilt it. Yeah. But that makes the liquid out of the straw. Uh,
0: well, so You I still, actually have I mean-
1: to almost angle the straw in reverse to the cup.
0: Geez, the fact that you even have to give people fucking instructions on this is pretty depressing.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, I think it's intuitive when someone's doing it themselves, especially when you take a sip and it doesn't work. You're like, oh, I guess I have to move this job.
0: He's like, do you have any advice on like how to have a conversation with you or like how to hold your hand (laughs) or like how to tell you that I would like another date? I just, I don't even know how this works. Like, what even (laughs) are you? What is this? I hate this. <laughs> to be
1: honest, like I I genuinely think that is the reason people generally opt not to. Is because they want to avoid because I honestly think that goes through people's heads a bit. It's like what? I don't know like what we'd be able to do on the first date, what would be we'd be able to do long term. Can they like I one time had a PSW match with me on a dating app mm-hmm. and still ask me like, she was like, if you're in a wheelchair, how could it be possible that you have sex? And I a was PSW like...
0: PSW asked you that? Yeah,
1: I was like, don't you know from your job? Oh,
0: then I, got, I have no hope in, like, ambulatory humanity. <laughs> <laughs> that is so pathetic. Like, wh- uh, how do you... Wh- what, are, what are you talking the about? The weirdest
1: thing, she said to me that she was familiar with my type of disability from work.
0: From work.
1: Yeah, so she knew, like, the general idea of my abilities but (laughs) she was still like well uh... i can help
0: you get more familiar if you like (laughs) sounds like you're not familiar enough (laughs) fuck man that really pisses me off to be honest with you i think it's two things i think it's i think it's uh, what
1: what pisses you off
0: well just people's ignorance overall and the fact that they sort of like put it on you like it's on you to to answer all these questions and figure this out and to make them feel at ease and I think it's better when they ask. Well, of course it is. Yeah, it's just that like it sounds like they've been rude in all these various anecdotes.
1: Well, I'm I'm just telling the bad stories, I guess.
0: That's true, but the bad stories are the ones that like shape your overall attitude and anxiety about dating. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, it does it does make me a little more hesitant or like reserved or you
0: know, for sure. All it takes is one bad date. Um, I had some follow-up questions for you, but I don't remember. Okay, so yeah, the two there's a couple things I think alienate able-bodied people from dating us. So one are these these like outstanding questions that they they don't know and are too afraid to ask. And it's not their fault that they're too afraid to ask. That's a whole lot of social conditioning and Yeah. And
1: I think like the message we want to give is you should ask
0: but also the other the other thing that they shouldn't be thinking but commonly do is like what will other people think
1: right yeah that's for sure true especially today when the world is so based on like getting likes on instagram and like is my boyfriend going to look good in my instagram pictures or i i I've, I've been in relationships like long term over a year long relationships with people and still their families have questioned it. And it's like after a year, like yeah. sometimes after two years, people are still like, "Like, I, I'm happy that you're happy, but like, is he going to be able to do all the things you want? And it's just like, still?
0: Yeah, my second girlfriend thought it was a bad idea that I meet her family because she yeah. thought their views were too conservative to really understand what was going on. And I wonder now if that actually... Was it like just an excuse? Was an excuse of some kind. I do wonder that, but I want to err on the side of good faith there.
1: Yeah. Well, even still, like you would hope that she would just say, you know, they might not approve, but I approve. So too bad. We're going to do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Huh. So this movie? or
0: Yeah, let's talk about this movie.
1: Yeah? Yep. I don't want to cut you off, but there was a lull.
0: No, I mean, I'm thinking of how to address other things. Do you want to? Maybe. As we talk about the film, it might come to me. Okay. So we actually watched today's movie with our uh, friend, Maggie Whittem, friend of the podcast, Maggie Whittem.
1: Shout out, Maggie. Check out her episode with us, and uh, we'll put some links to some of the stuff she's working on. But, yeah,
0: so... So she hadn't seen the film, but it came as a recommendation, I think, from a friend of hers. And we hadn't seen it as well or, like, known about it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it
1: wasn't even on our radar.
0: Yeah. Um, so we watched a film called Come As You Are and the...
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> and I swear that it's something... Oh, I don't have anything. Fuck. I wanted to make a joke about how the- my penis works. And I
1: swear that I- Still can get hard. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that doesn't really work. Okay, yeah. edit it out. So, um, what did you think of this movie, Tony? Okay, me first. You too. You first. I,
1: I think it was ninety percent awesome. Uh huh. I don't want to jump the the gun too much, but didn't like the ending at all. There, there's definitely some things I dislike about it. But what I liked about it was the humor in it was great. It was mm-hmm. actually Really, really funny, one of the funniest movies I think we've watched yet. yep, the humor was uh like funny and relatable, but not too inside baseball that it wouldn't be relatable to an able bodied viewer, and it also wasn't pandering that like the, the humor wasn't pandering the concept like the overall premise of the movie, I really liked. Um, i thought the pacing was good i just it, it for, for most of the movie it just felt like a bro road trip like the hangover or something like that yeah um, which i loved okay and I, I don't i don't want to talk about the ending yet but i loved the, all of that part what did you think
0: yeah um i would agree i thought it was really funny as you say um the jokes in this movie are punchier like they land a lot harder than any of the comedies that we've watched that have been more disability focused. It reminded me a lot of Rory O'Shea was here.
1: Yeah. It was you could tell it was very informed.
0: Yeah, that well there were parts of it that felt like th- that they were heavily consulted that they heavily consulted with a disabled person. Yeah. Um and
1: it was based we should say it was based on a true story of a real disabled person.
0: Yeah. Um his last name is phil Pott. i guess his story was that he realized Pastor. that yeah so the premise of the movie is three disabled dudes uh who both go to the same place for physiotherapy decide that in their mid-20s to early 30s they are very tired of being virgins and so they they want to embark upon a road trip together uh To go to a brothel in Montreal, which is two thousand miles away from wherever the movie is set um and they want to do it um in secrecy from their parents because for whatever reason, their parents just would not approve of them being sexually active or wanting to pay for sex,
1: yeah, they're hover parents, right,
0: yeah, they're helicopter parents, all of them, and so they these three dudes decide like, yeah, we're gonna rent a van and a driver and we're gonna go and get our fucking we're gonna go get boned um and yeah would you go to a place like this no hard pass hard pass why because there's part of me that thinks like it's akin to giving up be perfectly honest and number two like i've been to strip clubs before I've even been to strip clubs that were team. Deemed- not a
1: strip club, though. No.
0: I know. I I'm just saying that I've been to places where you pay money for this kind of attention, and they make me deeply uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that as like a progressive or a or a night of some kind. I they actually just do make me uncomfortable. I'm not saying that the, that this movie is like like morally uh bankrupt or something i'm not taking a stance of that nature nor am i judging anyone who would actually pay for these services like i get it that it's a need and that it should be okay and that there shouldn't be any stigma towards sex workers or anything like that like i'm fully on board i'm just saying like for my own personal reasons and like however i see myself it would be like It would be a major hit to some part of my pride if I'm being honest, completely honest.
1: I can relate. I think that for me, like you, like I agree. I see the, the upside. I see why someone would choose to go here. I have thought about it. Like, like not actually like, should I pay for it? But more like hypothetically, would I pay for it? Um, And I think to me, I would feel, it would leave me feeling more empty and wanting than really, like, satisfied in any way.
0: I mean, the difference is, and, like, not to humble brag or anything, but if you have any experience in the dating realm... (laughs) uh, I've been on many dates. Yeah, like, you sort of understand, like, what what your actual wants are in this, this, like, domain. Right. And so you do realize pretty quickly that you're not going to get much out of a a brothel that you wouldn't get out of pornography, like if you have to be single.
1: Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. Like your hand isn't the same as a woman's.
0: (laughs) Of course not. But I mean, like at least in terms of level of effort and like the amount of vulnerability and exposure and like...
1: No, there's more vulnerability in going to a brothel than there is in going to youporn.com or whatever
0: for sure and that's what i'm saying i'm saying that i i foresee that if it was me there would be a lot of like remorse afterwards (laughs) just you know like the the post nut clarity or whatever they call it and i know like I, i i know again that this is quite a conservative outlook but it's just me personally talking and like it doesn't really speak to my wider views yeah. About the film or about, you know, sex work and disabled people.
1: No, I I, I fully understand it. And I appreciate that there is a market for it or, or that there, there is a service provider out there that provides the service. And
0: there should definitely be a conversation around it.
1: Well, the need is, is valid and not to humble brag with you, but I've also been in relationships and through that i've realized that i'm not just interested in sex
0: that's what i'm saying and that's what that's what your that's what relationships teach you yeah it's like they they teach you like what the pre- proportion and priority of those particular needs are
1: but think about if you're like 35 years old and you're still a virgin and then the, the longer you wait the, the bigger of a deal it becomes
0: for sure for sure and
1: you eventually just You put sex on this huge pedestal. Yeah. All you want to do is have
0: sex. It starts to overwhelm your personality.
1: Because you think that, like, I'm a failure because of it. Yeah. There's so much pressure from society that even losing your virginity at, like, 18, when I did, is so late for people.
0: Yeah. For for some people, yeah.
1: Right. Like, often people, it's, it's like, I don't know, 14, 16. I don't even know, honestly.
0: I don't know either. I think it's around there. Yeah, it could even be younger nowadays. Who knows?
1: Yeah. So I, you know, fully, fully appreciate it. But like, if you just want to have sex, hiring a sex worker in a place where that is legal is like a pretty great way to do it. You know, you, it's a, about as transactional as it gets. Is a pure transaction if someone is like i want sex and someone's like i sell sex and you buy it i guess that's good so i I appreciate that but personally i'm not just looking for that Mm -hmm. i would i would be the kind of guy that would go to this place and be like like they would they'd put them all in a lineup i'm guessing and you get to pick one or something i don't really know how it would work but i'd be like i don't know let me
0: talk to them first yeah, you should. Yeah, it, it would be very uncomfortable because like the the power dynamic is inverted and that says something about the patriarchy or whatever. But um, it's like, you know, if you go to a strip club, the the women actively pursue you, you know, to pay for lap dances. And if you're not there for that express purpose, it can be quite stressful. And like that's kind of what it's like to be a woman at the club where you have to basically turn down the majority of men who you're not interested in that are trying to get your attention. Yeah, it's a good eye-opener for sure. Yeah, there's it's, it's an exercise in empathy, but it's also a very unusual space. Like in this movie, because it's about disability, like the brothel is portrayed as, you know, this open, progressive, positive area. Like it's, it's well lit, like the women are well-dressed everything's clean and it's like a happy moment you know the music is light and there's um a clear sort of acceptance and positivity toward the transaction that is occurring
1: if i was going to go to a brothel it would be a brothel like this yeah it doesn't feel like some shady like back alley like a front for some other business yeah it actually looks like a legitimate place where the women are choosing to be there and like enjoy what they're doing.
0: I I don't know if that's kind of like part of the unreality and like the kid gloves that the movie is wearing, like in its regard for disability and the way that it's, it's treating this whole like voyage that these characters are on.
1: What do you mean? Like you don't think it was actually that nice in real life.
0: I I don't know. I'm not sure, but I just sort of like, there's definitely a lack of nuance in the, the climax of the movie. And it's a little bit frustrating.
1: Yeah. The the last like 15 minutes weren't that
0: good in my opinion. No, the movie like totally crashes and burns like when it actually gets to, you know, uh, copulations.
1: It was much better at just being like a bro comedy of like a road trip. Mm-hmm. It was trying to to relay a good message. Like, it's a, it's sex positive, which is obviously great, especially yeah. in terms of disability. But I feel like they almost rushed to the goal at the end.
0: Can we play a clip of a couple of the jokes? Because I want to establish first why this movie is worth watching. And then I want to talk about what bothered me.
1: Yeah, some of the jokes out of context feel like cheating to play. But uh, let me find a good one.
0: One of uh, One of the main characters' raps would be funny. Dick. I love that. That's so funny. I have
1: to be honest, I, I was a little afraid of how much I related to that character. Why? Because at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a weird time in my life where I tried making music and tried rapping over the music.
0: No, you didn't. I
1: 100% did.
0: That doesn't sound like you at all. I know. You started rapping about what?
1: I didn't really, like, get anywhere with it. I I made some beats or whatever that were garbage. And then, like... Because I wanted... I I thought I could... Obviously, I can't sing. So then I had to (laughs) default to trying to rap.
0: You can sing. Like, you just fucking go for it. And that's that's that's, that's what works.
1: Yeah, it's funny because of how bad I am. (laughs) But it's not, like, good. But then I... Anyway... I've always had this sort of like fantasy world where I could actually rap because I love rap. And it would, I always thought it would be hilarious to make a bunch of jokes rapping. But I've also felt in the past, at least like high school days, like I related to this character's struggle of just like his mom's getting him up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom's super nice. But you're just like, mom, I don't want you to be the person showering me anymore. And like, I want to be cool. And I want to just like get girls and like, you know, like I want to be a teenager. And I related with that a lot.
0: The opening scene of the film, the main character, Bug, like just has morning wood that won't go away. And his mother sort of starts his wake up routine. And she has like just this running rant about her life and what's going on and what they have to do that day yes yeah, so anyway his mom is played by janine uh garofalo and she's very funny i it's feel British. like they, i feel like they let her ad-lib a lot of her lines
1: yeah there does seem to be some ad-libbing in this movie for sure
0: mm-hmm. Um she's definitely my favorite portrait of a parent so far i think that we've seen in the 40 movies that we've watched um just because she takes everything in such stride and she sort of realizes that Bug is frustrated, but she does feel powerless to uh, to help him in that regard. Um, yeah. But she does; she just keeps a good sense of humor. There is a clip where she feeds him. Can you play that? God damn it, Mom. How hard is it, Dame, for my mouth? I'm huh? sorry, but did you see who he kept? Total bitch. Total bitch. Total bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just
1: compelled to Dude, watch, watch, watch shows
0: I hate. Show. I'm sorry. I'll just you tomorrow. Come yes.
1: back. Come on. <laughs> That's a bit out of context, though, because, like, he's purposely trying to start a fight with his mom there. Like, he's pretending that she can't feed him.
0: No, I think he's genuinely frustrated with her in that moment.
1: No, he's faking it because he wants to, to get mad and storm off to his room so he can stay in his chair all night.
0: Oh, I didn't pick up on that. I thought it was just a funny moment where she had trouble feeding him.
1: No, he was, like, deliberately pushing the food off his fork. Oh. And then he staged the fight.
0: I didn't get it. I thought her reaction was funny, though, and she's like, come back. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Her reaction is funny.
0: I just like that whole, her casualness and whatnot. Yeah.
1: Well, so, yeah, the premise is basically to give that some context, like, these three, he, Scotty, or Bug, really want to get laid and lose their virginity, lose his virginity, and so he has a friend who's pretty much blind and he's like obviously horny throughout the whole beginning of the movie and then he sees an, a disabled guy with an able-bodied girlfriend and he gets really jealous and he's like good for you man like don't know how you can do it uh, and this guy gives him the card for the french um you know the, the hostel i was gonna go into a french accent and i realized i'd be terrible at it so he goes home and watches the video and it's like a disabled guy pretending to be from Montreal. And I say pretending because the guy in that clip who's like, hey, come to Montreal. It's good and you'll enjoy it. That's actually the guy that the movie is based on.
0: Yeah, Philpott.
1: Philpott. And yeah.
0: he's French because he's Belgian.
1: No, he's not French in real life.
0: He's Belgian. Isn't
1: he? No, he's from, like, London.
0: Oh, whatever. The, okay. They
1: they show him at the end of the movie. Yeah. And he has a, like, British accent.
0: <laughs> Those Europeans, they have all kinds of accents.
1: That's that's just the same as when you do accents. <laughs> it actually yeah. sounds very much like you trying to be,
0: do a French accent. Like my French accent? Yeah, it's just terrible and hammed up. Yeah. I don't know, man. This, 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 to be honest, like I liked the movie while we were watching it, but then in retrospect, I got frustrated with it. Really? I watched it again
1: today and I still thought it was funny.
0: Yeah, like it's funny, but it doesn't mean it's good. To me, it does. Yeah. See, the thing is, like the movie's trying to be sex positive and to reaffirm the idea that disabled people have working genitals and therefore needs and they deserve to satisfy those needs. Mm-hmm. And that is true, but the way it goes about solving the problem is sort of, it's sort of like indirectly reaffirms the idea that disabled people, uh, that it's, what the fuck am I trying to say? Um, I don't know. So one of the, the, one of the main sources of tension in the film is that the, the boys don't tell their parents that they're going on this trip. And so when they wake up, the next day to escape, and they finally get on the road. Um, their parents eventually realize that they're missing, and then proceed to chase them and try to get a hold of them. Um, and they, they they for some reason just explicitly don't like the idea of the boys, first of all, going on trips by themselves, and also having sex. Um, the whole idea of the of the brothel is like very uncomfortable for all all the parents, basically. And then, like, these guys are all in their 20s, to early 30s. Like, they're adults. They don't really seem to have hobbies outside of um, the things that they do for fun when they're not in physiotherapy. So they're not very, like, three-dimensional wheelies. And the sort of second-act conflict between them involves one of the characters accusing the other two of being virgins, not because they're disabled, but because they are assholes. And so... Their virginity is this kind of like pain point that like defines who they are up until this point. And I I know that it's realistic that such a huge and like underserviced need would like take over your life. But I just wish there were some more dimension to these characters. I feel like there was as much, maybe not
1: as much, but not crazy less dimension than the three guys in the hangover.
0: No, but there's like one of the guys starts out the film and he has a girlfriend and she she breaks up with him because she's seeing another guy in her class. And she says to to the disabled guy, like, I'm sorry, but I just can't see myself having a future with you. You know, I gave you an out when this all started.
1: I didn't want out, Matt.
0: I had options too, you know, but I waited for you.
1: I have to start thinking about my future.
0: I mean, so they also establish that that character Matt is a virgin. So he had a girlfriend in his early twenties, and they never had sex. That doesn't make sense. Well, it could have been post-accident, or, or they 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 haven't had sex since his accident, yeah. or something like that. But then it so the movie actually makes the argument that really the only way that these guys will end up having sex. Is if they go to the brothel. And I don't. Okay, but wait,
1: I, I have a. I don't necessarily. I don't agree with you because the movie isn't making that argument. The real life that the story was based on did that. So the movie isn't at fault for
0: doing that. So you're saying because it's a true story, then the movie is absolved of uh, any culpability for problematic storytelling?
1: I don't. Well, I just don't think it's problematic because it's actually indicative of someone's real life valid decision to do that
0: that person also this occurred to them like in the early to mid 2000s and they had to go to spain in order to get laid uh-huh. and they brought friends with them who were in the same boat yeah i don't know man like i feel i feel like the i feel like it feels you're like, judging them for that decision i don't, i guess i am i mean i'm frustrated that this movie like bills itself as being progressive, and yet the ultimate solution for two out of three of these guys is actually just paying for sex. That's an unfortunate
1: reality for so many disabled people. And I'll stress, it is unfortunate, and I agree with you that it shouldn't be the case, but society still is so fucking far behind that it realistically is the case for so many people. But it's able us to be like, why don't you just get a girlfriend and have sex the conventional way? It's it's not necessarily that easy for everyone.
0: Of course it's not that easy to get a girlfriend. But the stories should be like showing how how that courtship occurs. Instead of just saying, like, oh, you know, it'll be a, a wonderful consequence of the legalization of sex work that disabled people will be able to not. It's like it kind of makes me really frustrated.
1: I get, I understand your frustration, but I, I feel like it's like two different things. Like babies. the movie was trying to be a road trip bro comedy based on a real life event where uh-huh. people made the decision to do this, and it, it's relatively, as far as I can tell, there is another movie that was produced earlier and an actual Belgian movie, and there's a couple, I think, one or two documentaries too. So we have more content to watch around this, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's fair to write the movie off because it doesn't explore those other ideas. I just, I think what it was trying to do was explore a few friends making a decision whether you agree with it or not. And this is their journey.
0: Fine. Another plot detail that I don't like though, is that like the movie frames this road trip as being the first trip of its kind that these guys have ever been on. So it creates the impression that like really nothing has happened in their lives in between like being born, going to physio, like fucking around on the computer, making rhymes.
1: That might be true for them.
0: Going on this trip. That that can't be realistic. Like in 2021, a lot of higher functioning disabled people. What does higher functioning mean? Meaning they can go to class. They can they can like basically have an upbringing that resembles that of an able-bodied person, save for the physical autonomy. So they go to school and they like are properly socialized and like actually participate in their communities and stuff. Like these guys, these guys like aren't, aren't the type of wheelie that don't get a post-secondary school education. And so it just seems weird to me that in this movie, it would be their first time, ever going on a road trip or like it, it seems honestly like it's their first fucking time leaving the house. It's just like, it's weirdly conservative in its portrait of the, like the nuances of these people's lives. And I, I just feel like that characterization is woefully insufficient.
1: I think this comes back to something we've talked about a bunch, which is like, there aren't enough films about disability out there or at least that we've seen yeah. so when you see something like this you are afraid that it's gonna reflect negatively on the wider population of people with disabilities
0: and it will make even more of an impression because it's not a depressing slog at least for the first two-thirds or first three quarters yeah. like it, it has a good and punchy and comedic sense of humor like it it has that that capacity for surprise that good comedies have. And so it's liable to resonate even more like with an unsuspecting, able-bodied person. And so that's frustrating, you know, because it's so good at being funny. It should be good also at its wider storytelling elements.
1: Yeah, I I do agree with that for sure. I just...
0: There's I'm, even one little throwaway joke where Bug, like when he's first meeting Matt for the first time, there's a tension between them because he thinks that Matt is a halfling. Like he calls him uh, forearms or whatever, biceps, biceps. Because he's like, yeah, this guy has a physical aptitude. So I don't like him. And so there's a tension between the two of them because of their like non parallel disabled experiences. And that's funny. Like it creates like an interesting buddy comedy tension yeah and then bug makes a joke about how matt's wheelchair sucks and like that's funny because a lot of times for halflings like their mobile equipment will be lackluster because they don't put that much thought into it maybe or because they don't have like as frequent uh, interactions with their like occupational or physiotherapist and so they don't you know refresh their equipment as often as they should and they get like you know roasted for it accordingly so he says like you have the wheelchair of a grandma and i thought like that joke is funny like it connects with a wider audience and it's also slightly inside baseball like this movie is going to be real good and then it ends up committing like basically all the fucking cardinal sins of disability it commits
1: a few definitely yeah. All of them, though? That seems like... A, a
0: lot of them, man. Like, Bugs Boner is his entire fucking character. It's like, the minute he fucking... The minute he fucking gets his rocks off, like, there's no... Like, he's totally boring and uninteresting. Like, that's all... The, he's basically Jason Biggs in American Pie, but 25 years old.
1: Yeah, but I think that's a valid... Uh, like, he has... You mentioned he doesn't have a hobby, but he's rapping. He... Like, that's his hobby. He, yeah.
0: Uh, why doesn't he have more friends? Like, why didn't he go to school? What is his life? You know what I mean? Like, he's a person. I don't know, man. It's just like, it's like these really light, flaky characterizations. And then like, oh, they go to the fucking brothel and they get laid, end of story.
1: I do, I think that those, these are valid. Like To me, these all seem like real people. Nobody. None of the main disabled characters are actually disabled.
0: Yep. Which is totally pointless, by the way.
1: I feel like they could have for sure cast disabled people in this role. Uh-huh. But to the movie's credit, I spent the first 15 minutes in the movie assuming that they were actually disabled.
0: I did too. Um,
1: so I think that's to the movie's credit. That's to the actor's credit.
0: I guess so. I mean, yeah, the guy who plays Bug like did a very good job i noticed that they um they made his fucking jeans like extra baggy and like bunched at the bottom yeah as as though he he had some foot orthotics underneath and like that's sort of how jeans will sit on you like when you're riding a power turn you're not like you, you have somebody else dressing you so there's definitely like little details that are consistent and that like sold it for me and made it a little more frustrating when i realized that he was actually able-bodied if you go look at his imdb he has like a he has like a transformers movie pose like a like a jackass in flannel like like uh, leaning against a sports car and he looks like a b-movie porn star and so i was like oh yeah okay this guy's a douche I'm in a grumpy mood right now for some reason. I just I didn't like this movie after I got the quotes for it. Like, there's a there's a joke that I loved um, in the first two thirds of the film when I thought it was actually good. The caretaker for the boys, like their driver. Sorry, it turns out she's hyperglycemic, so she happens to pass out like uh, when they get home from their first night on the road. And that there's this interesting sort of series of events where they now wonder what the fuck they're going to do without a caretaker. And I thought, what an interesting premise for a road trip movie involving wheelies. And if the if the rest of this movie is about them having to solve common accessibility problems between t- three disabled people, wouldn't that be a refreshing and interesting film to watch? But no, like, you know, of course, like eventually some able-bodied people find them and and uh, the girl is treated for her hyperglycemia or whatever it is. And, you know, that just turns out to be one little misadventure in a series of predictable things.
1: I mean, it was a funny misadventure.
0: Yeah. Can you play the clip? There's a, there's a clip where they, they decide to, uh, to drive the vehicle like to another hotel room because they're trying to evade their Terminator parents. And so the three of them, like uh, Matt has to give driving instructions to the blind guy. So, you know, obviously hilarity ensues, but they, they uh, eventually drive the vehicle into a ditch and then a cop approaches them like as they're walking along the roadside. <clears throat> 227, I've got uh, two um, uh, handicapped gentlemen uh, uh, and sorry. Uh, um, persons with disabilities, please. Two persons with disabilities and a blind guy. Um, uh, excuse me, it's visually impaired. <laughs> yep. Uh, visually impaired gentlemen. Um, gonna need a tow truck and a van equipped for the, the disabled the um, <laughs> p- persons with disabilities. Copy that. <clears throat> My cousin's brother-in-law is Down syndrome, so the the idea that like you know stereotypical authority figure would be completely undone and totally uncomfortable um, with disabled with a, a, a group of disabled guys and like how to properly respect and address them. Like, that's just a good joke. And them insisting upon the proper terminology and reference to them as a way of like taking power away from the cop. Also very funny. Like just like generally a good scene, like smartly written.
1: Yeah. I think that that kind of heart comes through a lot of the movie. Yeah. Which is why I feel like I have to defend it a lot
0: right now. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just don't think that the heart saves it. Really? Yeah. The end of the film, like, sorry. So the character, Matt, the halfling with muscles. Oh, we're jumping to the end. Yeah. May as well. I don't. Is there anything else you want to elaborate about the middle part?
1: Well, it's just that I agree that the ending was bad, Uh but I still don't think it's enough to write off the whole movie.
0: You don't? No. I do. Sorry, Tony.
1: You think that because of how it ends, the rest of the movie is bad?
0: Yeah, I feel like I got tricked.
1: I agree with that. Like, I definitely wish after watching it, uh-huh. I feel like I want I was settled into a whole different movie. Yeah, but I watched it again, and I just kind of like zoned out for that bit, and it's still most of the movies still good.
0: Have you ever heard of the documentarian Louis Theroux? Yeah. I, I love that guy. Uh, he works for the BBC. He's got a huge body of work extending back to the late 80s, I believe, or the late 90s. And basically, like, he devotes these 90-minute documentaries of him going and interviewing controversial figures and or cults or Generally speaking, he tries to approach his subjects uh, with humility and humor. I'm trying to think of more examples of episodes of his series, but basically he has an episode where he uh, goes and spends, I think, two weeks at a brothel, um, and not as a John, but just as a as documentarian Louis Theroux, and he follows these women around. There's like a common kind of cluster of ladies working at this place, and he just um talks to them over the course of a two week work period and gets to know them and you know uh what their hobbies are and their their intimate preferences or sexual preferences like at home as opposed to on the job and he basically just the whole point of the documentary which came out i think in the early 2000s when the idea of humanizing um uh, a sex worker might have been quite taboo for pretty much any member of the general audience, let alone, you know, a previous generation or whatever, um, was quite prominent or pr- quite new basically. And, um, that's one of my favorite of his episodes so far in his body of work, just because like he does sort of foster quite a genuine friendship with these ladies. And by the end of the segment, like you kind of want to spend more time with them. And I, I thought that if this movie had spent a little bit more time showing the other side of the coin, like maybe cutting away to the women who would ultimately end up having sex with uh, with Bug or Matt and just like showing them for who they are, like their day before they go to the brothel or, you know, like if they have kids or whatever it is going on in their lives. And then they finally meet these boys and there's like in the climax of the movie, there's a Frank conversation about their confidence issues and they're, they're uh, struggling with self-concept and, and disability and they are put at ease and they have a chance to joke around and connect with these like women almost in a friendly capacity before the deed. Then like the actual sex that they end up having with these ladies, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be so frustrating. And yeah, like I just sort of wish that there was more work done to make it less uh less transactional and make it seem less like the solution to this problem of lack of intimacy for disabled people is just a matter of, you know, throw some money at a brothel in Montreal.
1: So you think that the movie would have benefited from including the perspective of the sex workers.
0: Yeah, because then, because then it would have shown like the audience and Matt and Bug making a connection with the people that they ultimate, ultimately end up having intercourse with. And then that intercourse feels less transactional and it also feels like maybe they have more of a, of a real chance to address the root of the problem of their virginity or of however their virginity like impedes their self confidence, and so there it just would have felt so much more satisfying, and maybe that's like way too catch her in the rye or something i I think it might
1: i don't know if it's catcher in the rye, but it maybe is like you're projecting like it feels a little bit like you're like projecting <clears throat> <Sorry. clears throat> I had ribs for lunch, that's why I'm doing this.
0: all i'm saying is that like in intimacy there are two sides of the coin and if you want but they
1: weren't doing this to be intimate that's the thing right but that's a
0: that's a huge problem why that's that's very judgmental of you to say that. no 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 it's a huge problem because because to just show the one side of it to just show the transactional angle of it again sort of asserts the idea that disabled people don't deserve to participate in reciprocal intimacy
1: I don't. Th- I agree that maybe like people could perceive that that would be a wrong thing to perceive, though, because the movie isn't saying disabled people don't deserve intimacy. If anything, it's saying the opposite. It's saying that like, look how hard it is for disabled people to even have sex. We should come together as a society to solve this problem and to destigmatize sex and disability sure but they the the people in the film the characters they weren't going to the brothel to connect they went to the brothel strictly to lose their virginity and then by doing that afterwards they realized oh actually i think i want more of a connection
0: but that's so that's so cliche sometimes a cliche is because something is a popular thing that actually happens i guess so but it's just like very 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 fucking obvious to me like yeah they go it's like you go to the strip club and oh th- that wasn't all that satisfying and it was kind of uncomfortable and strange like of course anyone with any life experience would fucking know that
1: but that that's the point they didn't have that life experience yeah it really feels like you're projecting a lot of your feelings uh, or like your experiences onto the movie Rather than appreciating that there are a wide array of experiences, even within the disability world,
0: even just to show the the lives of the sex the sex workers in tandem with the disabled characters would have demonstrated that Bug and Matt are having sex with other human beings who yeah. are multidimensional and and have lives, and then and then it would be less like the transactional element would be blurred. And maybe they have this realization after they have sex or in the course of talking to the woman that is ostensibly going to help them through this significant problem.
1: Well, the blind guy had that realization, which was a different experience.
0: Yeah, the blind guy already seemed like a little bit more centered and and self-secure than the other two. He was also older. Older yet, and not completely driven by his libido, and just like more so excited to be out on the road because he so seldomly apparently leaves the fucking house.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't know, man. And then of course the ending, like yeah, I still
1: like I'm I'm not ready to talk about the ending yet, but like the not leaving the house thing is realistic. I know many disabled people who are in their forties and still live at home. Yeah. It's an unfortunate reality. Fuck,
0: I still live at home, you know, or I do live at home now.
1: Yeah, it's an unfortunate reality. And it's also worse now with millennials, like more millennials than ever live at home
0: later and later in life. I think the solution there is to stop looking at that as a failure. Why is that a failure in Western culture and other cultures it isn't?
1: Okay, but then why is it a failure for a disabled person to not leave their home?
0: Because the, like disabled people are chronically under socialized and then and therefore denied a, a, a multitude of opportunities, able-bodied people at home still have opportunities.
1: Right, but isn't it the same thing that you're or you're getting upset at the disabled people?
0: Not at the disabled people, more at like the circumstances of the disabled people. And I'm just tired of these stories of one-dimensional, under-socialized wheelies who like basically their lives and their routines are prisons of sorts.
1: Yeah. But I think that is, I'm frustrated that that's my honest truth in my honest reality. Like it's an unfortunate thing to acknowledge, but
0: Tony, you go out every weekend.
1: Yeah. But that's it's, I'm still less socialized than my able-bodied counterparts. And I'm not saying that out of like self-pity or anything. It's just, an actual fact. And I. you have
0: a podcast in which you connect on a weekly basis with potentially a thousand people.
1: Okay. But that still doesn't mean what I'm saying isn't true. Yeah. The fact of the matter to me is this is uh, an important sex and disability is a topic. It's, it is a trope, I guess, as you say, Uh but at the same time, it's, an important conversation that needs to happen. And so if movies like that, like this can spark that discussion, I think it's important. And I think that we should be commending movies for talking about it.
0: I think maybe like where I'm getting hung up is in this like kind of uh, this intersection of genre that is just like not computing to me where like on the one hand, the movie wants to be a dumb comedy but because but because the main characters are disabled it knows that there there has to be an element of of tragedy and 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 somberness to the proceedings.
1: Yes, that is where I agree with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. so if it was a dumb comedy then at the point where the boys actually end up at the brothel and they have sex there would still be some comedic elements to the deed itself yeah. to like applying the condom and Having the sex and figuring out their bodies and everything, like the comedy would continue, but but it stops the moment where they they actually copulate. Like it 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 turns serious and somber. And Bug needs a whole lot of alcohol, and uh, I don't even think we get to see Matt's side of the equation.
1: Well, we don't see either side really. Like no, we don't. We see them kiss and that's it.
0: Yeah and there's this like quiet like kind of quote unquote sweet conversation between the sex worker and Buck but it's very insubstantial it's like they literally like shut down and stop writing at that point yeah. like they they had no imagination for what that might actually look like but if the movie's sense of humor had extended into those scenes then i would have been way 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 more on board with the film because then it's like, yeah, it's like American pie. The best parts of American pie are when Jason Biggs doesn't know what the fuck to do in the bedroom. And he gets caught in the middle. But you
1: were mad at the comparison between Scotty and Jason Biggs.
0: I, yeah, because it didn't fully commit to the idea because it wanted to be American pie, but then it also wanted to be like disabled pseudo tragedy, which is like two completely, completely different camps. So if if you're going to go for the, the more somber, serious element, then you've got to go the Louis Theroux way of looking at both sides of the coin of intimacy and of fleshing out the sex workers in so that we realize that everyone at play here is a human being. By that way, like we um, are cured of our asexualization of disabled people. You know what I mean? Like I, Like, I guess I'm being kind of heady and stupid or whatever, but I'm just saying like, either be a comedy or be a fucking like tragic porn like you can't you can't be both and because it tries to stride like b- because it's it rides that line like for me it just ends up being like very disappointing okay so i
1: i agree that the dramatic element at the end of the movie is it falls flat i really wish that it just carried comedy throughout the whole movie yeah ended on a lighter note and then maybe uh just flashed a couple credits at the end explaining like the dramatic parts of it. But I still don't think it's fair to like write off the first 80% of the movie because of that. Like the the first 80% of the movie is strong. It shows that disabled people A deserve to have sex. A shouldn't have or B shouldn't have to work so hard to get it. It shows the The relationship dynamics between uh, a horny man with a disability and his parents. Mm -hmm. It shows like the the relationship with the nurse that takes them on the trip is great. She's Mm -hmm. a great part of the movie.
0: Yeah, I I can't remember her name. She's the lead actress from uh, Precious. And she's super funny. And I know she's been in a number of comedies ever since. Gabri,
1: I don't know how to pronounce her name.
0: Yeah, but she she's awesome. Yeah, like in a and a very uh, welcome addition to this movie. Like I think I laughed at her as much as the three other disabled dudes combined.
1: Right, and so like it, the movie does a lot of good things very well, and it does feel like a fun, like like kind of like the Hangover where they're all just on a trip together and comedy ensues.
0: Yeah, a series of, of misadventures. Right. I wanted more unplanned things to happen because I like I am seeking answers to those kinds of questions. What would happen if a bus full of disabled people broke down in the middle of the road? How would they work to solve that problem? That's an interesting question.
1: Yeah, they definitely jumped over a few things like at the beginning when he's in his bedroom and then uh, he, the doors closed and then all of a sudden he's in the garage. I'm like, you struggled so hard to get your phone hooked onto your wheel so you mm-hmm. could bring it with you but how were you able to get out of the bedroom like are you are you able to turn the handle like sure yeah it could have gone over some of those like disability moments even like when the van is in the ditch how did they actually get out of the van mm-hmm. there would have been some great comedy there that mm-hmm. they could have mined
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so I agree but I Still don't think it's like I also watched it twice, and i I liked it the second time um i just I agree that the ending was not good it's It's like if we had to make a disabled movie drinking game that we play while we watch these movies, yep, then when the really dies, you have to finish your entire bottle.
0: Oh, my God. And and we would, we would get alcohol poisoning on a weekly basis.
1: Exactly. The number of times the wheelie dies. That's fucking I, wheelie dying. That basically what happens is, you know, they go to the brothel. They learn their lessons about how Scotty actually realizes it's not all. Like, he doesn't feel any different after losing his virginity, what he actually wants. Is like a human connection.
0: Which is the most tired lesson of all time. I hate it.
1: But you only hate it because you've already learned it. Mm-hmm. It's
0: like it's, it's a lesson. It's trash, to Tony. It. It's just trash, okay?
1: <laughs> it's not. Like, I really, I'm, I feel very defensive.
0: Well, see, I told you, disagreement is fertile.
1: <laughs> I would have rather just joked the whole time.
0: I know, but... What I mean, I'm being serious because I was offended, but this yeah. from this movie, I can't joke and I'm pissed off. Well, I can. That's not true.
1: The ending, though, a hundred percent. I feel like as soon as they walk into the brothel, the movie turns, and oh, yeah. it feels like they have to. The filmmakers had a point to to make, and it's almost like they heard the story of Asta. Asta what's his film part yeah and they were like hey this would make for a great movie we could learn a lot from your story and we could learn a lot from your story rarely fits well into a comedy
0: yeah it's so frustrating like it's so frustrating to me that like disabled man has sex at brothel it like is um notable enough that it makes national news and then it it, it makes like the pretentious European film circuit and it gets remade multiple times across the world.
1: Well because it's such an gaping problem in our
0: society. That's so frustrating to me. Another thing I
1: agree it is frustrating
0: but one more one more complaint and I'll try to keep it light and we should also bookend it with the bug second rap because it's pretty funny. Um but um if this movie was was made like with non-disabled guys like just who were Inept versions like going on a road trip to get laid at a brothel, it would not work. It only works because these guys are disabled, and be- people just have like a name. no.
1: It works because they're misfits.
0: I get. I don't know. It, like,
1: like it's the same reason the Hangover works. It's because the three of them just don't really belong together.
0: But it's it, the Hangover is also established as a black comedy where the characters sort of deserve their comeuppance and they're not that likable. And so whatever happens to them or whatever they do like is sort of okay because the movie understands that they're not exactly good people. Yeah. But so for for this move for this concept of a film to be made with non-disabled people, like the similar concept must apply because just wanting to go like fuck some women at a brothel like would be kind of edgy especially in 2021. Uh unless it was Sex positive or progressive, like, and it did its sort of legwork to earn, you know, a more uh, good natured or goodwill version of the able bodied version of this film. And I think it did. So that implies, though, that people think it's innately charming that disabled people want to go to a brothel. I don't think it's charming. Well, but that's what I think able body people think on some level. Really? Yeah. Like, What makes you think that? Well, just look at how the parents react to their kids needing to go to the brothel. They're like, we have to do this. I don't think they, were, they felt like it was charming. I
1: think it was like, this is true. Something we all neglected to think about. The yeah. fact that our children, who are now grown men, would like to have sex and... That opportunity is harder for them to get than if they were able-bodied.
0: Yeah, but you understand that if a disabled person wants to go to a brothel, then no one questions their character. It's like okay, they have a need that they need to fulfill. But if an you question their
1: character this whole time?
0: I didn't question their character. I questioned the movie for thinking that that this is the actual solution and for promoting the idea that this is the solution.
1: But that's what I mean. Is it's not the movie doing that? It's the that's the actual story. Like that, They didn't make up the fact that this happened.
0: hmm fine. But it's still, like, oh, isn't that cute? Like, the disabled guys want to go to a brothel.
1: I never felt like this movie was pandering, like, that they were positioning it as a cute movie. It, okay. I don't feel like it skirted in any way from, like, let me play this clip, because, like, there's nothing cute about this clip.
0: To our boners, for though our sight may have faltered, our legs given out, our joints railed against us, our cocks stand strong and ready to serve us in the pursuit of life and liberty and the chase of the inevitable hoo-hoo, the ineffable hoo-hoo. To all one eye, may he stand tall, glack- Get ready to cheers. May he stand tall. I'm almost done. And do us proud. Huh? Yeah. We're sorry. We're not sorry. I'm so glad I can't see you. I don't want to say sorry. Eat your food. <laughs> I like that last night. Eat your food, fucko. Like, it, it's, it, it's maybe a little cringy, but
1: only because, you know, if I was in that situation, I'd be so embarrassed. Yeah. But I don't think it's trying to be charming and sweet in any way yeah maybe the storyline between sam and mo is charming but that felt earned
0: it did i liked that actual like romantic comedy element that was the best part of the movie for me
1: yeah that was awesome i i liked it a lot
0: yeah there's a whole whole scene where they kind of court each other by like showing off their tattoos and the, the blind guy, like, you know, feels up... Uh, Which, his...
1: I, I gotta be honest, like, anyone out there who is blind listening to this, hit me up, because can you feel tattoos?
0: I don't know. Yeah, is that just a weird concept?
1: That feels outrageous to
0: me. And It does feel a little weird, maybe.
1: But I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong. So if, if there's a blind person listening, let, let me know.
0: the, the blind guy says out the, the shape of the uh, the driver's tattoo... And that's how he kind of like, you know.
1: But it was also a funny scene when like he sits down on the bench and he's like practicing how he's gonna tell her that he likes her, and then she's just sitting there beside him,
0: and he doesn't see her because he's too caught up in the moment, and also he, he's
1: blind. He's blind. <laughs>
0: it, like that's so. That was very funny. There like, are again, a lot of very funny moments. Like I really, I'm I'm sorry that I shit on this movie. I just got to thinking about it afterwards, and I'm like, and I got into a negative headspace.
1: I, like, I agree with what you're saying. I don't think it's good to perpetuate the idea that disabled people can't be in healthy, loving relationships with able bodied people or other disabled people or really anyone they choose. Yeah. But I also think it's a valid experience that people, especially people with disabilities, often don't get that privilege and sometimes choose to resort to other methods, whether you agree with it or not, that does happen. And this is a story of it happening. And even if you disagree with it, and again, we both said we wouldn't choose to do this. And I stand by that, but I don't judge anyone for doing it. If anything, it's like a jarring reminder that if we don't fix our society to make sex less stigmatized for disabled people, and to normalize the fact that disabled people can have actual healthy relationships. And it shouldn't be weird, um, and it really shouldn't be inaccessible for a disabled person to have physical relationships or, or emotional relationships. This movie does make you think about that to an extent.
0: It does. It just should have fucking stayed funny.
1: I agree with that.
0: Yeah. 100% it should have stayed funny.
1: The ending, even like, so the guy the guy dies in a very predictable way at the end of the movie.
0: Yeah, um, not the main character, Bug, but the side character, Matt, the one with muscles, he dies yeah. of a Of a nondescript uh, degenerative illness.
1: Yeah, I think he has like a tumor or something.
0: Yeah, and you know that he's... He's dying because throughout the film he takes the pills of death. Like he has a a blank pill bottle, and every once in a while he sneaks a pill and the movie will cut to it and then quickly cut away. And you're like, oh, he's definitely gonna fucking die yeah. or something. And so he fucking dies on the beach outside of the hotel room where they're staying, right after saying that the you know, his one goal in life after getting laid is to retire on the beach.
1: And also it was after like he and Scotty who basically were at odds for, for the whole movie. Yeah. uh, Finally reconciled.
0: Yeah. So it was like
1: coincidental and like definitely a little on the nose.
0: For sure. Uh, Matt is like, you know, I really do think you can spit hot beats and I really want you to go up on a public the stage someday, and just like you know say your best rap to the world and 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 bug is like, I'll do it, Matt, but only if you're there with me or whatever and so Matt dies, and then like two scenes later, Matt's in a coffin, like at his funeral and and bug or Scotty, or whatever the fuck his name is is like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to rap. I'm gonna eulogize this motherfucker, and that's like the last. 10 minutes of the movie is a shitty death rap and and you're like i hate you movie like fuck you yeah this scene i hated The it was i don't even know what it was trying to do
1: because they were like trying to throw in a little bit of comedic levity throughout
0: yeah it was like just
1: pick a lane
0: seriously pick a lane like the comedy was not dark enough to veer into like you know funeral music number jokes.
1: No, it felt like it was like trying to make you tear up inspiration tears, mm-hmm. which I did not like at all.
0: No, plus the movie didn't really like set off set up this moment because let me tell you, inspiration tears are the worst lube. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, happy tears are decent
1: lube, but inspiration tears don't work at all.
0: No, they're the saltiest of tears.
1: Yeah. Jars you out. Get wrinkly dick. Yeah. The movie does try to end on like tying it all up in a bow um by Scotty realizes his own internal ableism. And Does he? I th- I think they try.
0: What does he do? I-,
1: I don't think it's like fully fleshed out, but he realizes that the girl who's into him, he's been Ignoring his whole life because...
0: Oh, I forgot all about that.
1: Yeah, because he's so obsessed with the physiotherapist. And so Mo had told him earlier in a drunken conversation at the bar that the check-in girl...
0: At the physiotherapy place was super into him.
1: He decides to ask her out. And she's super pretty and seems very into it. And they end up agreeing to go on a date and that's where it ends.
0: That's the part of the fucking movie I wanted to see, not the fucking, you know, like, show me that.
1: Yeah, I agree that that, that's a good way to end it. I feel like it should have. Now, again, I don't know enough about, I would love to see the documentary and I really want to see the other movie, Hasta la Vista, because maybe we'll get some more insight into the actual sequence of events, Mm -hmm. if Matt or whoever Matt's character is in real life did die in that moment, maybe it's earned. The funeral doesn't have to be played out the way it was, but if he did die in the moment, then it's a little bit more earned. And also then I will feel a little, uh, or give it a bit more slack on that.
0: Yeah, maybe. Like, that would be hilarious if it actually turned out that Philpott had a friend who died on the beach in a manual chair only minutes after them, you know, promising to each other that they would, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it'd be funny. I I mean, it would be darkly funny. Imagine Philpott actually did rap at one of his friend's funerals.
1: (laughs) Good lord. (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel like that part wasn't in there. I feel like there was a writer in the writer's room who was working on his freestyles, just wanted to throw them in there.
0: <laughs> Actually, like that's the one truest part of the film is the funeral rap.
1: Yeah. So with movies like this, I'm always hesitant to condemn them until I know more about the actual story.
0: I'm not hesitant. Fuck this movie. Yeah. You
1: weren't hesitant at all. Yeah. Um, But I feel like I did my best to defend it. Yeah. And we agree on some things for sure. Yeah, okay. Um, I just, I don't think the movie does as much damage as you think it does. And the, the story that it does tell is reflective of true stories. We just need more disabled content. Because if this was just one movie in a sea of movies, it would mean nothing that he died. And it would mean nothing that he went to a brothel. But the fact that there's just so limited such a limited number of movies and then you see another movie where the disabled guy dies again and you're like, why does every disabled guy die? It does start to perpetuate bad things about disability.
0: Also, the other thing is we've watched 40 of these fucking movies. And I how many uh how many of these movies have a female lead disabled person? There is a that that uh run movie we've yet to watch. Oh. Yeah,
1: run is one, but there's a, a movie we've yet to watch where there is one.
0: There's run and see and that. And I can't, I don't, I don't know of any other movies with women wheelies.
1: Yeah, well, I know they're like, yeah, I, I don't want to defend that, but there are uh, some forms of muscular dystrophy that only affect men, mm. but that's that's not an excuse that's just a fact (laughs) there are still many female disabled people and there should be way more female disabled
0: movies i thought you were gonna say people
1: (laughs) there should be more female disabled people i think that's the biggest problem right it's like the more aware we as a general society are of disability whether it's through the growing number of disability TikTokers or like other content creators that are disabled, we hopefully will begin to naturally normalize the experience of disability and it will be less of a social inconvenience to consider, you know, a relationship or having sex or whatever.
0: And it won't be so terrifying. The prospect of holding a straw up to your face won't be so terrifying.
1: Exactly. We'll have to watch Margarita with a Straw. <laughs> you know that movie?
0: No, not, no idea. Oh, really?
1: Yeah? Okay, well, it is on our list. Um. Well, we've kind of run up the clock again. We have. So maybe skip the Wheelbreaker? What are you thinking?
0: Yeah, let's play Wheelbreakers next week.
1: Okay. I did have a great one that was, like, perfect for this movie. But
0: um, I'll just save it. Okay, sorry for my uh, downtrodden mood, everyone. No, I don't think you have to apologize. And thanks for the recommendation, Maggie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) After all that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thanks for watching with us, too. I mean, again, like, I want to defend you for a minute now because I spent so long defending not you. You're right, again, in that Say it it's. You're right.
0: Oh, say it again. You're right. <laughs> cool. No, that, I don't need to be right. Yeah. No, it's. It, I feel like you heard. You're me. not I, fully right. You don't need to flesh out. You're not fully right. <laughs> wait,
1: wait, shut well, up. You're partially right.
0: <laughs> you're partially right. Oh damn. That's still so funny. You're a little right. <laughs> Can we watch Nathan for you and somehow argue that Nathan is socially disabled?